face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Policy Dialogue Series with alumni, staff, faculty, and students from the University of Maryland School of Public Policy. The views expressed do not represent official positions of the school or alumni network, but our goal is to discuss specific policy solutions that can address and solve the current local, national, and international challenges we face. We are recording this on May 5th, 2021, and my name is Evan Papp. I graduated with the class of 2011 with a focus on international security and economic policy, and I'm the executive producer of Empathy Media Lab, which produces content on labor, political economy, art, and culture. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with fellow alum, Robert Sandoli, who is serving as senior advisor to the Assistant Secretary for Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy at the Department of Energy. He previously served as acting deputy assistant secretary, where he led a diverse energy efficiency program and R&D portfolio that included advanced manufacturing, federal energy management, low income weatherization, and intergovernmental partnerships. He has also held high level positions at the US Department of State, the White House Office of Management and Budget, and is a professional staff member in the US House of Representatives. He holds a Bachelor's of Science, a Bachelor of Science in Biotechnology from Rutgers University, a Master's of Science in Microbiology from Cornell University, and a Master of Public Policy from the University of Maryland. Robert, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. So could you talk about your background and how you first got interested in science and public policy, and also why should people care about science policy? Sure. Uh, so um, my, my background, as you said, was, was in uh, biotechnology and microbiology. And uh, yeah, but my interest was in, um, in using microbes to uh, degrade toxic compounds in the environment and, and help clean up the world. This is, uh, that, was, that was my passion. And uh, so I spent a lot of time in a lab, uh, both as an undergraduate and then a graduate student. Um, uh, but as I moved out in, uh, in, in the, into the consulting world, I, I realized that uh, um, that science is certainly very important to solving problems, but uh, but you need the right policies in place to make things really happen. And so, um, so after some time in, in, uh, in environmental consulting, I, I went back to University of Maryland School of Public Policy for a public policy degree, um, I, and and uh, I've served several positions uh, in the government since then. Um, it, in terms of why people should care, um, I, I mean, science policy affects. Uh, our everyday lives, um, and frankly, the future of our planet. I mean, I, I work on, uh, on on technologies and policies that impact uh, climate change, which is uh, um, increasingly a, um, a, a concern across the globe, as we've seen, and, and very much a priority for this, this current administration. So, um, but the same can be said for health policy and other things. So, so um, uh, science policy is important and, and impactful for, for our everyday lives of all, of all Americans. Could you also talk about the importance of the Department of Energy's mission and how it advances scientific research and development and commercialization of U.S. technology? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so let me start by saying the uh, Department of Energy may be a, a, a bit of a misnomer. Um, uh, we, we are also a uh, Department of kind of weapons security. I mean, uh, we have a huge uh, 
a budget over $35 billion, uh, and, and roughly a third of that is on, uh, on national nuclear energy security. So um, uh, kind of protecting our, our weapons stockpile and making sure um, uh, others don't get, they get access um, uh, around the world. Um, so, so that's a big chunk of it. Uh, uh, and, and cleaning up the legacy of nuclear weapons productions is another big chunk. Uh, but everyone associates the Department of Energy with with uh, with the relatively smaller piece that I work on, which is the actual energy programs um, and, and clean energy programs is 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 a is a uh, even a subset of that. So I work in the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Office. Um, you know, uh, our mission, as you said, is really to advance the science and technology to uh, push new clean energy technologies out into the marketplace and to and to advance their uh, deployment through a variety of policies and programs. Um, so, uh, and, and as you mentioned, uh, um, you know, now I'm in a senior advisor role to, to our assistant secretary, helping to lay out the strategic priorities uh, for, uh, for what our office will, will focus on during this new administration. Um, you know, the mission of, of our office, the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy doesn't really, um, the, the mission changes slightly, but we still get appropriations from Congress each year to kind of to need to do the research, development, demonstration, and deployment of technologies. And in, in the mission space most recently that I came from, as you mentioned, that included uh, a federal energy management program leading by example by having federal buildings uh, uh, be uh, uh, the most efficient they can be and the federal fleets uh, um, be uh, very efficient and transition to alternative fuels and increasing the electrification. Um, as you mentioned, advanced manufacturing office, which is very broad. Um, we work on everything from improving uh, efficiency of wastewater treatment plants to um, uh, uh, recycling uh, critical materials that are important for everything from wind turbines to batteries for electric vehicles, uh, to our, our building technologies office, uh, which um, works on everything from improved uh, LED lighting um, and HVAC systems to a uh, regulatory component that um, uh, that helps improve the efficiency of all the appliances, uh, most appliances that you see every day in your house, from your refrigerator to your washing machine, uh, um, to, to market transformation programs like um, like Energy Star, household names, right? Um, and finally, the fourth piece of that, which you mentioned, was was low income weatherization, which is really important, weatherizing uh, uh, homes to help reduce energy bills for low income uh, uh, residents. Um, and then a separate component of that is also a state energy program, uh, which provides grants to states for them to issue uh, for them to do broad energy efficiency retrofits, um, renewable energy deployments, um, and support their state energy offices. So it's a very, very broad uh, mission. And that's only the energy efficiency pillar within uh, our office. We have two other pillars, one on renewable energy uh, and one on um, sustainable transportation. So, so very broad mission just within our energy efficiency and renewable office. And for people who may not know, and we were discussing this before we started recording, the Department of Energy has these national labs spread out through the United States and are doing some of the most cutting edge research in the world on everything from, I guess, quantum computing to uh, different forms of uh, nuclear energy, uh, fuels, um, testing to renewables to um, just a lot of battery technology. It goes on and on. And a lot of it is these investments for research and development that aren't gonna be profitable this year or next year, but will eventually lead to a commercialization and, and allow us to remain competitive. 
And which labs do you think you work with most um, within your, your current office? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. The labs are, are very, very important. We have 17 national labs. Uh, there's, there's one lab that is actually kind of managed by our energy efficiency renewable office. That's the National Renewable Energy Lab uh, based in Golden, Colorado. Of course, we work a lot with them uh, and manage that lab. But many of the other labs um, that uh, are, are also working in the energy efficiency and renewable energy space. We work closely with Oak Ridge National Lab, uh, Argonne National Lab, Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. Um, there, there are several, uh, Sandia, Los Alamos, several that, uh, depending on, on the specific technology area from, you know, hydrogen and fuel cells to vehicle technologies to, to advanced manufacturing technologies, certain labs uh, work in certain spaces. Some, sometimes we have, you know, established programs with them where we uh, fund them directly year after year. Sometimes they compete for funding, uh, and lots of times they partner with the private sector we issue a lot of uh, uh, um, cooperative agreements uh, to the both private sector um, and and to universities, and we usually have cost sharing requirements too. And to get to your uh, point about uh, developing technologies uh, that eventually will make it into the marketplace, we have cost sharing requirements depending on the stage of the technology research. So, uh, research and development usually at the twenty percent, and demonstration projects at fifty percent. So we're partnering with industry and having them put some skin in the game too. So we know that uh, this technology is ultimately gonna be uh, pushed out into the marketplace. And we're taking, especially with this new administration, we're taking uh, going to great lengths to make sure that we get technologies into the marketplace fast because we, we, we have a climate crisis and we need to accelerate the rate at which we can reduce emissions. And decarbonization across all sectors is a top priority for this administration. 100% clean electricity by 2035 decarbonizing industrial facilities, especially energy intensive ones, decarbonizing uh, the building sector, which is really challenging, especially since most of the building sector is built and uh, you know, we can do it easier on, on new build, but um, that's, a, that's a real challenge. Um, you know, uh, decarbonizing uh, the agricultural sector and, and there's a, a play for DOE in there too. We have a bioenergy program that plays an important role on a water power program. So, this decarbonization is really important and getting technologies from the labs to the marketplace to advance this mission is really important. And, and you also have an international component in your office and in your role. Could you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, well, actually the international component within energy efficiency, renewable energy went, went away um, in, the, in the previous administration. It may be making a comeback, uh, we'll, we'll see, but we've always had a separate international office within, within DOE. Um, I, that serves as a central coordinator. Um, but yeah, my, my office, which uh, ran for, for about eight years out of energy efficiency and renewable energy, um, it, the international program, uh, we would take some of the lessons learned and some of the um, uh, policy and market approaches from our domestic programs and, and apply them uh, um, overseas, especially in key emerging markets. Um, so, uh, you know, our our mission was, was to increase the speed and scale of, of market development uh, and clean energy deployment through international collaboration. I mean, that, that was it in a nutshell. So, um, so at, for example, uh, you know, we, we worked with, uh, with China on energy savings performance contracting. This is a, a way to do building energy retrofits where you finance uh, almost like a mortgage. You finance over a number of years the upfront cost of the retrofit. Well, as it turns out, uh, we, you know, we worked with two of our national labs to do a comparative analysis, working with some Chinese partners, 
um, and you know, found out that the Chinese market was about twice as large as the U.S. market, um, but uh, but they had trouble getting deep energy retrofits. They were doing single technology retrofits, uh, so they weren't getting deep energy savings, and uh, and they weren't financing over long periods of time. They were only doing short payback. So um, building on the experience that we had in the U.S., especially from our federal energy management program, we ran some pilot programs with with China where we introduced U.S. technology providers and U.S. policy approaches and mandates such as at least a 20%, um, at least for this pilot program, a 20% um, savings in energy retrofits rather than, you know, three to 5%. So you had to do deep energy retrofits. You had to involve multiple technologies. You had to have outside financing um, and you had to have a U.S. technology partner. So this is a way to get China to, um, to do deep retrofits and help them save emissions as at the same time introduce U.S. policy approaches and importantly U.S. technology and U.S. exports of that technology uh, of, into China. Um, so, um, so that's the kind of, of thing we did in the international program. And I think um, we're gonna see more of that with this new administration. Very cool. And you also served as acting deputy assistant secretary. Uh, a lot of people don't know what the, the DAS is or the the deputy assistant secretary, but it does go from the secretary of energy down to assistant secretary and then the deputy underneath it and it's a, a pretty high level uh, position. What, what was your experience like? Um, what did you learn? Uh, what did, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, well, uh, in a word, it was, uh, it was intense. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I kind of, um, I stepped into that role for a short time period, uh, for four months or so through the transition. Um, uh, and um, look, this is, uh, it's an important time um, because we're you know, getting uh, new officials up to speed on, on what the office is and how government works, right? These new policy officials coming in, uh, you know, we're working with them to identify strategic priorities. They have an idea what they wanna do. And now within the bounds of our kind of appropriations and our authorities, how, how do we work um, to, to advance the, the, the mission of the new administration? Um, we were, you know, setting them up for, for early wins and announcements. What can we, what can we do now? It's in the pipeline that we can announce early on to show this administration is, is moving forward um, uh, quickly. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we're, you know, preparing new strategic and 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 budget documents. I mean, having worked at, we haven't talked about it yet, but having worked at OMB often for about ten years, you know, budget is policy, and where you put your money and how you spend it, that that's that's policy. So. Um, developing this first budget under this new administration, um, you know, not just what it looks like, but how, you know, not just the, the, the size of the budget, but, you know, where we're putting our resources and how we're structuring programs says a lot about the, the policy priorities of the administration. So making sure that budget document is, is, is set on course and consistent with the strategic priorities that we set up, all of that is, is part of this, this first uh, intense four months. Um, and I, I just stepped out of that role a few weeks ago, but yeah, it was it was a really exciting to be to be part of that transition process. And uh, wasn't my first transition, but my first one in that role, and it was it was pretty intense, um, but but fun. Yeah, and you've had so many different experiences, and I do want to talk about your experience at OMB Office of Management Budget. Uh, a lot of people outside of Washington D.C. or outside the federal government may not understand, but the two most important offices in the White House is the National Security Council and the Office of Management Budget. One side has policy, other side has the actual budget, 
And as you said earlier, is is everything revolves around the amount of money that you're able to appropriate and, and push towards programs. So could you talk about your role where you oversaw clean energy programs and the implementation of executive orders focusing on sustainability? Sure. Um, so yeah, interestingly, uh, I was very lucky coming uh, coming out of the uh, uh, University of Maryland and School of Public Policy um, to to both intern at OMB and then uh, and then get uh, hired in there full time, and then also um, uh, be able to step into a portfolio that was so interesting. So I actually oversaw the program office that I now work in, which is the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Office. So I did that from the OMB side. Um, yeah. OMB to just to step back, as you said, it's uh, it's a it's a White House office. It's um, you know roughly 500 people or so, uh, and it's mostly career staff. It's very that is kind of like the foundation within within the White House of of career staff. Many of the other um, positions and offices in the White House change out with uh, political officials, Schedule C's as we call them. But uh, OMB is the institutional memory there, um, and, and so uh, so I stepped in. Uh, Actually, just during the transition from from Clinton to Bush, uh, uh, into the uh, examiner role for the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy at DOE, um, which was great because I, I learned about all the programs that I, I now work with uh, in, in in the front office of of, of uh, uh, energy efficiency renewable energy or EERE as we call it. Um, but I also got to get uh, uh, deeply involved in uh, I mentioned earlier the Federal Energy Management Program um, that program showing leadership by example across the federal government. Um, uh, the OMB examiner in, has, has an outsized role, I would say, in, in, in program implementation there. Um, I, you know, I helped to, to, to draft an executive order, an updated executive order. There are legislative requirements that um, put on the federal government uh, to purchase a certain amount of renewable energy, to reduce energy intensity in federal facilities, to use alternative fuels and fleets. And, and the, the Federal Energy Management Program helped provide guidance to agencies. Uh, one of the things I did at OMB was help to um, develop uh, management scorecards, working with the, the, the FEMP office, the Federal Energy Management Program, um, to assess each major agency's progress on, um, on implementation of these various requirements, both in executive order and in statute. Um, so we would uh, meet with the, the, the Deputy Director of Management for OMB, who's a a, a, you know, the third in charge and a, a pretty high level uh, uh, political official and all the senior officials from the major agencies, usually deputy secretary level or so, um, and, and meet with them, uh, you know, twice a year to review their progress, to really make sure we were driving home the management of, uh, uh, of their sustainability requirements. So that was really, really interesting. And the fun part was also being able to do um, a presidential awards uh, um, annual uh, process where we uh, solicited the awards, and served on the reviews um, committee, and and we got to make these awards sometimes with uh, with pretty senior level officials, including uh, the vice president at one point, to, to issue awards to these federal agencies to to really um, highlight the the, the agencies uh, that are leading the best in in sustainability across the federal government. Yeah, I, it's it's just such an impressive array of experiences that you you've put together over the years, including State Department as Deputy Special Advisor for Alternative en Energy. You also were able to get out of the executive branch into uh, the Congress as a professional staff member on the Committee of Science, the Energy Subcommittee in the U.S. House of Representatives. And with uh, only a, a few more minutes left, 
for people who want to get involved in energy and science policy, what is your advice? Wow. Okay. Um, so I think, uh, well, the first thing is to, is to, um, uh, is to get a breadth of experience. Um, uh, you know, it's, um, it's great. Lots of times people think they know what they want to do, but if you can intern around and, and, and try different, uh, um, uh, different experiences out in, in public sector and various agencies and NGOs, uh, um, in, in companies or institutes, uh, you know, really follow your passion, um, uh, and, and find out what, what excites you most and get you up in the morning and, and, and then pursue that. Um, that's really, uh, I think some of, some of the, the best advice I could give, um, uh, if you really want to get involved, uh, um, you know, the, obviously your education and getting a great education, like at university of Maryland is important too. Uh, um, uh, but, but the experience really helps, uh, as well. So in closing, looking into the future of 2021 and beyond, and from your, your perch in the department of energy, where do you see opportunity and hope? Yeah, um, opportunity and hope. I, you know, I, I, you know, I can tell you this from looking at just even just within uh, within my office now at some of the people that are getting hired in. It, in this, this may sound cliche, and it happens all the time, but with the with youth of of uh, of America, I I see so many capable and passionate young people, you know, joining government now that I that I see, but also. Um, in the stakeholder communities that I deal with, um, and, and so uh, I think if if we're in inclusive and, and uh, include people with different perspectives and, uh, um, and 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 harness their passion for 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 making the world a better place, um, uh, it, that gives me great hope. I mean, I I really I trust that the next generation will will um, do well to. Um, improve all people's lives and, and improve the planet, which is what I'm passionate about as well. So, um, so my my hope uh, comes from from the from the youth of America, and I'm sure they won't let us down. Rob Sandoli, thank you for your service and everything that you're doing. Great, thank you so much.